God is calling you to this morning. I just want to challenge you that every point in our lives when we will trust God with that thing, he's faithful. Amen. He's good. Amen? Amen? So God is, is showing us, and this morning as we're continuing the passage we looked at last week, we see that these early followers of the way, they had a rhythm of life that they followed. They had a way of being as a people of God, and it was something that was fruitful. It gave fruit to their lives, and it gave health and vitality to their relationships. And I don't want to oversell it, but there's something important about the, the rhythms of the way they did life, and we see it here in Acts chapter 2, and we see it throughout the book of Acts as God's people did these things. And so I want us to spend a few minutes, just as we looked at last week, that God's people continually had rhythms of teaching and learning from God, of fellowship and breaking bread with one another, of seeking God relationally and, and, and knowing God more, not just knowing him, but knowing him relationally. There was something of intimacy and there was something that had to do with the way they lived their lives. And, and before we go too far in this, I just want to say that as God's people began to do life in God's way, the world took notice. And the world said, what is going on in that community of faith and those people that are walking with this Jesus? There's something different. And we want to go check it out. We want to go be part of it. So without any further ado, Acts chapter 2, I want to read verse 42, which is a recap from last week, and then we're going to pick it up in verse 46 through 47. And it says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Go down to verse 46. We're going to pick it up. It says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. Say day by day. The Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Day by day, the Lord was doing a work in their midst. Day by day, God was healing brokenness in their midst, and he was bringing people to salvation in their midst, and he was showing up in power. Sometimes we were looking for a move of God. And God was moving day by day as his people sought him, as they pressed in, as they did life together and, and invested in relationships with one another. And I want to just give you four quick things uh, this morning, if you're taking notes. Four things, four distinctives of this move of God, these people of the way, the early church, these four distinctives. The first is this, is that they did life with one another as family. Say the word family with me. Family, good, say family. Say that they did life like family together. And I love this perspective because I, I, this is the way I think of the church. I think of church as a family. And the way is a family. It's not an organization, it's not a meeting, it's not a place, it's not a club, it's not a building. But these followers of the way, they did life together as family. And sometimes I think we need to get back to that idea we need to understand what it means to be the family of God again. See, I love this part of following after Jesus because it doesn't matter where we grew up. It doesn't matter what our biological families look like, whether they were functional or dysfunctional, whether they were broken or whole or nuclear family. It doesn't matter what our, our, our earthly families looked like, whether they were healthy or unhealthy. 
God says, I want to adopt you into my family. And that when I put my hope and trust in Jesus, I don't get saved because of something I do. I, I get saved because of God's grace poured out towards me, his free gift of mercy and grace. And when I put my faith and hope in Jesus Christ, when God calls me to himself and I say yes to his call, there's something amazing that happens that I get adopted and I'm grafted into the family of God. I might have been an orphan before, but now I'm a member of the family. Now I've got not just one or two or three brothers or sisters, but we got a big family, right? Now my, my boys understand what it's like to have a big family. Peterson's, you guys get the big family thing. But, but as we put our hope and trust in Jesus, we're part of a real big family. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're my brother, you're my sister. We're family in this place. Some of y'all don't have brothers or sisters, but as we get adopted into the family of God, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. That God, our heavenly father, becomes to us a father. Maybe a father that we always desired. Maybe the father we always needed. But we get brothers and sisters and we become members of the family of God. And this is the reason, uh, and there's no other way we can describe the followers of this way, members of God's church, other than family. It's the reason why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26 can say these words. He can say, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. See, this is the upward call of God for our lives, that we would be members of a body, that when you rejoice, man, I'm rejoicing with you. Praise God. That's why we want to hear your praise reports. We love to just thank God for what he's doing in your life. And we also love your, pray, your prayer requests. And that's why in our community groups and, and on our connect cards, we, we say, tell us what we can pray with you about because when you're suffering, we want to suffer with you. Uh, not that we were going to suffer. And by the way, by the way, this great thing about grace and this great thing about our faith in Christ is that we don't have to we don't have to mourn like the world mourns. We have a hope that goes beyond the grave, and we have a we have a source, a steadfast anchor for our soul that no matter what waves of life come our way, we can be sure and steadfast. This is a beautiful thing about the faith that we have in Christ. But there's something important about this idea of rejoicing together and mourning together, that we do life together as family. And again, I can't reiterate this. Maybe you didn't have a good family uh, background, and so you're like, I don't want to be part of another family. I don't really like the one I got. <laughs> that's not my story. But for, that, for many people, that's what they say. They're like, I don't want another one of those. That was broken. But God's family is a different kind of family. Our Heavenly Father is perfect. He is good. He has good intentions for our lives, and he is a good thing. And the members of his body are one people. And what I love about what Jesus did, even in the selection of the disciples as he calls them to follow after him, he didn't just go into the university or he didn't go into the, the popularity club and say, I want the, tie, the guy on the top. He chose people of all different backgrounds. He chose fishermen and he chose a tax collector and he chose all these guys with different backgrounds that grew up on different sides of the tracks that probably rooted for different baseball teams. You got a, you know, a Dodgers fan and a Giants fan. It's okay. We love Jesus. We're part of the family together, even if we don't agree on sports teams, right? Even if we don't agree on those things. But God chose those people that were different, and, and he didn't choose them just because they all looked the same and smelled the same and came from the same background. He chose different groups of people, and he called them together to be part of the family of God, that they would love one another and walk with one another in family. And this is the beautiful thing about God's church. 
is that his choice and his choosing and his invitation isn't just for a few. His invitation is for the world. And he opens up the doorway of faith to all who will come near to faith. And we're all invited to be part of God's family. And I just want to say this. Maybe you've never felt this. Maybe you don't believe this. Maybe you're going to disagree and you're going to cringe when I say this. But you belong here. You belong in the family of God. There's some people that feel like, I don't belong in church. I've had people, I've had that conversation with them. Uh, maybe they come to our food pantry or maybe they're walking by on the street and say, hey, come on in. We got worship going on. And they say, I, uh, lightning bolt will hit me if I walk in there. I, I don't belong in there. And I'll just tell you, you know, this is a building, but you belong in the family of God. And, and there's something unique that the family of God invites us that, that doesn't matter what our bloodlines are. Doesn't matter who our grandpa is or who our father is or who our mother is or, or where we were born or what our citizenship on earth looks like. God says, I want to invite you and call you to be adopted into my family. You belong here. Amen? God says, you're, you're invited and you belong. So they did life together as one with one another as family. And that's a beautiful thing. The second rhythm we see is that not only did they do life together, but they saw the mission of God as a daily focus for their lives. The, the idea of the mission of God wasn't just you know, a, a, a saying written on a wall in a building somewhere at a church. It wasn't just something on a church website. But the mission, the call of God to make disciples of all nations was not just something that was out there for them, but it was in here for me that they saw themselves as ministers of the gospel. Everyone, young and old, smart and not so smart, rich and poor, every color, they saw themselves as ministers of the gospel and they saw the mission of God as a daily focus. It's why verse 47 can say this. It says, day by day, they attended the temple together and they broke bread in their homes and they received their food with glad and generous hearts and praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to their number day by day. How did God grow his church? Was it through the hard work of his people? Did they add people to the church? You get to talk right now. Did, it? did they do it themselves? No, the Bible says the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved, but they saw the mission of God as being something that they owned, that they, they, they were carriers of the mission of God. And I just ask you this question. Though God did the work, he's the one who brought the people into the church, as we would call the church. What kind of church sees people saved day by day? What kind of church sees people saved Day by day. God's church does. But I'll just tell you, I believe, and maybe this is an easy softball question for you, but a church that sees itself as church day by day. A church that doesn't just see, like, I go to church on Sundays. That's when I go to church. But a church that sees a move of God that sees people saved day by day is a people that say, church is not a place I go to. A church is a, something I'm a member of, I'm a part of. That when I leave the four walls of the building of the church, the church goes with me into my community group. It goes with me uh, out on the baseball field. It goes with me as I go back to work. It goes with me as I go back to mow my lawn in my neighborhood and I talk to my neighbors. That's where the mission of God goes. That's where the church of God goes because church goes where I go because I am the church. See, that's the kind of church that sees people saved day by day. 
that, that is attitude day by day. A church and a people that say, church is not just a place I go to, but I am the church. I'm a member of the church. And that just doesn't mean that I got my name on a roll somewhere. That means that I'm like a foundational block, a building block of the church. I'm an important piece and I have a role to serve, and I have a function, and I've got gifts that God's put in me to use so that we can be the church together. Amen. See, that's what the, the sort of church that sees God, people, people get saved day by day, a church that sees the mission field all around them. See, I'll just, I'll just tell you straight up, when I got saved, I gave my life to Jesus, now, I heard about these missionaries, and I thought, those guys are so cool. They can go off to Africa, and that, that was always... I don't know why, I think a whole kind of, they're going to Africa to preach the gospel. They're going to Mexico. They're going to Guatemala. They're going to Argentina. They're going somewhere to preach the gospel. And it wasn't for many years later that the Lord got a hold of my heart and said, son, you are a missionary right where I've placed you. I thought, no, they're missionaries. They got the call of God on their life. They're, they're the ones that are appointed to go. And God reminded me that this mission was not just for them, but it was for me. It wasn't just for me, it was for us. It wasn't just for one or two or three, it was for all. And the sooner we will recognize and realize that we are ministers of the gospel, that this doesn't mean those that have the, the title pastor in front of their name or reverend somewhere around their name. Those aren't just the ministers of the gospel. See, the Bible says that God has given the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Y'all are saints. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are saint. You don't feel like a saint today, but y'all are saints. And God says he's given the pastors to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And the sooner we will recognize that we are in the mission field, and the mission field is in, in the gym where we go to work out, and the mission field is, is at our job place. And the mission field is in our front yards when we're talking to our neighbors. The mission field is where God has placed us and sent us and opened doors of influence in our lives to speak into others. That is the mission field. See, but the difference between a missionary that's sent to Cambodia and a, and a missionary that's planted in Simi Valley is this. The missionary that goes to Cambodia, he realizes and he recognizes that he or she has been sent. And friends, the only difference is that. Friends, I, I commission you now in the name of the Lord Jesus, you've been sent by God on a mission for God. And God says, your mission field is right where I've placed you. And though God may call some of y'all to go to Cambodia, he may call some of y'all to go to, to Africa, wherever that is. He may call you to go somewhere into a foreign nation, but God has called all of you to, to be here and to see yourself as the sent people of God. It's the reason that Paul can say this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says these words, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Who's it through? It's through us. His, him making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Friends, that's my, my plea to you as well. Be reconciled to God if you haven't been. God says, I, I want you to know me intimately, personally, relationally. I want you to have a relationship with me through my son, Jesus. So that is our charge to be his ambassadors. But here's the deal. Our availability plus God's favor opens up the doorway to evangelism. And you see it take place. You see they, they're meeting day by day in verse 47. And it says, 
And praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. See, there's something powerful that takes place when we will, when we will position ourselves to be used by God. Uh, and I don't mean to be used like in a bad way, but like we say, God, would you do something through my life that's bigger than the sum of my parts, that's bigger than the size of my own giftedness? Would you use my life to make a difference? And when we will position ourselves in that way, God is able to do works like this where it says the Lord added. Where it's not just saying Brian added his talent and it was kind of cool, maybe a little weird, but it happened. It says, no, the Lord added to their number. They did what God had called them to do. They positioned themselves in such a way. They said, God, we want to show up and meet you here. We want to see ourselves as missionaries, missionaries. And God did something amazing. But I want to make a, just a very simple observation. That to see people far from God brought close to him through our lives, we've got to know people that are far from God. I know, this is a revelation. We've got to know people that are far from God, and I wonder, do you? Because here's the thing I understand and recognize and I love about the family of God, and we were even talking about this with our kids in Kids Church, that as we become family, it's easy for us to say, it's we four and no more, to, to get to this mind that we're just a family that's a closed family, but God's family is open. He invites people to come in. And for us to be missionaries in the city that God's called us to, we've got to know people that need to know the love, and the, the love of Jesus Christ. We've got to understand and recognize those people. See, God so loved us that he came. God so loved us that he came to the earth. He lived among us. As uh, first, the first chapter of John says in the message, it says he moved into our neighborhood. I love that perspective. That God moved in among us. He came to dwell among us. He inhabited our neighborhood. And he came to be near us. And God is calling us to do the same. To be a light shining in a dark place. And sometimes our world is dark. Sometimes it doesn't seem as dark. But God's love needs to penetrate to every area of our cities. And I wonder sometimes, how many people are we loving? The third thing that's a distinctive about the church and these followers of the way is that they were devoted to learning every single day. They were devoted to learning every day. And we talked about it last week a little bit. I want to just re-emphasize it here today. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You know, many years ago, I had a mentor of mine. He gave, us, uh, he gave me this task. He said, I want you to do this. I want you to write down your roles and your goals. I said, what is that? He said, I want you to think about all the things that you do, all the roles that you're responsible for and, and write them down. And so, you know, as a follower of Jesus, my first one I put was I'm a son of God. I'm not the son of God, but I'm a son of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a follower of the way. So I wrote that down. I said, that's, that's the one I want to prioritize. And then at the time I said, okay, I'm a husband. I wasn't a parent at the time, but now I would write, I'm a dad. And I wrote down all these things and, you know, somewhere down the list would be like, I'm an employee. I work. Uh, and I, I've got all these other things. I like my hobby. I've got this. I've got that. And so for each of those, I want you to write your roles, and then I want you to write a goal. How do you want to improve this year? It was a great task for me to think about. How do you want to become a better follower of Jesus next year than you were this year? How do you want to become a better husband this year than you were next year? And I wrote them all down. And, and I did that for years and years. And at, at one point along the way, as I looked back, and I looked over my list, and then I pulled out my date book, 
And I pulled out my calendar and I recognized that those two things were in conflict, that, that the things I was spending my time doing and the things that I had said were the things of priority in my life. They didn't match up. And it was a sobering moment for me in my life as I looked at those things. Uh, and why do I say this? Because I believe you can determine your priorities by your pocketbook and your datebook. Some of y'all are like, I don't got a pocketbook. I don't got a datebook. I got a phone and a wallet. But the point remains. You can determine your priorities by your pocketbook and your datebook. Where we invest our time shows what, what, what matters to our heart. Where we invest our money also shows what's close to our heart. And every time we trust God with those things, our time, our money, our, 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 our gifts, every time we trust God with those areas of our lives, something amazing takes place. But, but we can determine those things. And as followers of the way, these early followers of the way, they devoted themselves to learning. They devoted themselves to being with God, uh, to, to being with the brotherhood, the sisterhood, to be in the fellowship of the believers. They devoted themselves in the time that they had to something that was different. And I would suggest to you, just as the people of Israel probably looked a little bit different as they left the land of slavery and went into a land of promise, as they intentionally rested, their calendars looked different than the neighbors that stood next to them than the people of the land they were going to possess. But they had, they had something that the people around them did not have. They had God's word. They had God's instruction manual to show them how to do life the best way possible. And so for these individuals, these followers of the way, they devoted themselves to learning about God, not just intellectually, but as we looked at last week, to learning and devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word, but also to the prayers, to seeking God. And so there's something of this growing in a relationship with God Almighty that was important. And these followers of the way were day by day pursuing God together. And this is an amazing thing. See, I think about this all the time because, you know, I have a lot of kids and I have to feed a lot of kids. And no matter what I do, they always get hungry again. It's this amazing thing. I can't figure it out. We're trying to eat different foods uh, that... But every time I feed them, they just keep coming back for more. Can't stop them. So we're at Costco this last week, you know, with our pallet of groceries, and checkers are rolling their eyes at us as we go through the checkout line because they don't want to, their, their scanner runs out of batteries before they finish our order. But I think about our hunger for God. See, because our hunger for the physical never ends. But our hunger for the things of God is something that, that, like a fire, we've got to keep stoking, we've got to keep fueling, we've got to keep pursuing God. And I'll just tell you something that happens, and I'll just tell you just a testimony of my life, because I, I read through this book every year. I, I've made it a habit of mine for many years to read through God's Word every year. But this last year, at the end of the year, I, I was like, you know, I want to just, I want to, I want to read through it a couple times. I want to finish the Bible in a couple months. And so I did this stupid plan where I was reading, doing our life journal plan, and then I was going to read through it 90 days through the whole Bible, which is like drinking from a fire hose, by the way. And so I did it, and then uh, my wife and I decided we were going to do it together again, and we did it again. And this amazing thing happened as January 1 rolled over, and we finished our plan, and we just went back to just doing our regular plan, just a little bit of reading. I read, and I was like, I'm done. I'm done with my reading. And my wife and I both had, came to the same conclusion, like, 
but I'm still hungry. But I'm still hungry. And, and this amazing thing happened, and, and again, don't take my minutes and say, yeah, I have to do exactly that. But I'll just tell you, every time we pursue God to a new measure, we stretch ourselves beyond what we think is possible. And we say, God, I want to just give you a little bit more. This amazing thing happens. First of all, God fills the need. That whether it's our finances and we're giving to the Lord, we say, God, I want to give you a little bit more. God always fills our need. Or whether it's our reading and pursuing of God, God always fills our need. I went to bed late some nights because I had a lot of reading to do. Uh, and I went to bed late and I woke up refreshed. And I'll tell you, there's something amazing that happens, but not only does God meet our needs as we give to him, as we pour out our lives, learning to know more about him, but he also gives us a new hunger. Some of y'all are like, I'm not hungry anymore. And I want to challenge you this year in 2020 to pursue God to a new, a new measure, to pursue him to a new measure. Maybe that means last year you opened up this book once or twice. You're like, this is a cool book. And I like it. And I'm going to look at it. And so maybe this year you pursue him just a little bit further. Maybe you began to do our reading plan with us this year. Maybe last year you started and you stopped, and that's okay. Don't feel guilt or condemnation. But maybe this year you say, I'm going to read a couple times a week, and I'm going I'm to press in, and I'm going to draw near to God, and I'm going to commit myself to going further and stretching myself more than I did last year. Friends, I want to challenge you to pursue God, to stretch. Stretch. Stretch yourself this new season and this new decade as we walk into 2020. As God says, I want you to stretch yourselves and watch what I do. Watch what I do. God's given me a new hunger. He's given me a new passion for him. And that's all begun because I said, God, I, wanna, I want you to stretch me. I want to drink from the fire hose for a while. And then after a while, it doesn't feel like drinking from a fire hose. God gives me a bigger plate. He gives me a bigger capacity to do what he wants and to be who he wants me to be. So I want to challenge you to stretch yourself in 2020. This Bible reading plan is here. If you haven't started it, don't feel condemnation. Just start reading. Open up God's word. And you can get a physical copy if you're analog like me and you want a physical copy for your Bible. Or you can get, a, you can get it on your app, newheart.us slash Bible. You can get it. And you can follow along, or you can do one of both, which is what I do. And I have it on my phone for the plan, and I read it in my paper Bible. Whatever you do, just get into God's Word. It's amazing what happens when we will devote ourselves to learning every single day. The fourth and final thing, and then we're going to wrap this thing up. Don't worry, we're almost done. Is that these followers of the way, they were committed to regular fellowship and breaking bread with thanksgiving and generosity. You said that, it says that they... Day by day attended the temple and together were breaking bread in their homes and they received their food with glad and generous hearts. I ask you this question. Is your dinner table on mission for God? Some of y'all think I'm joking, but is your dinner table a place of mission? Is your dinner table a place where you can get to know the stories of your neighbors, where you can get to know families that maybe you don't know? Or maybe you invite people to come and be part of it. Maybe, maybe it's not your dinner table. Maybe it's, maybe it's Chi-Chi's dinner table. I don't care where it is. But I ask you that question. Are we doing those things? Are we breaking bread with one another? Are we having that koinonia, that fellowship, that partnership where we say, God, I want to I know you. As we talked about last week, if you didn't catch that message, check it out. But, but God says, I want your life to be lived in such a way that there is fellowship and breaking of bread with one another. There's something that happens around a dinner table that doesn't happen any other place. That's why our community group, we're having potatoes today, baked potatoes. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be bacon, and it's going to be good. But this is the thing that's an important thing. See, the fruit of a life following after Jesus walking in this way is a life 
where people are drawn to the family of God. See, I can only live a life where God can add to our number day by day those who are being saved if I'll see every day as an opportunity for God to use my life for something bigger. And I'm guilty as anyone else of compartmentalizing and having my church hat and then my recreation hat and my family hat and my social hat. And God says, if you'll see, begin to see your life, not just as a, a collection of things you do, but as one life following after this way, then I'll be able to use more of your life to, to glorify me. And, and I want to challenge you uh, that, that God says the church is supposed to be, these followers of the way are supposed to be a place to belong. See, that's what that word fellowship means. It means there's a partnership, there's a belonging, there's something that I add to it, and there's something that you add to it. And as a result, we get something that's so much better than our individual parts. And God says, I want my church to look that way. And that only takes place if we will see ourselves under this identity as the family of God. If we'll see ourselves as members thereof, as, as missionaries that are part of it, that are learning every day, that are saying, God, I want to devote myself to the fellowship and breaking of bread because I understand we're better together. See, we believe, and this might be a, a, a belief that is revelation for you, but I believe that church should be a place of celebration. It should be a place where we celebrate the goodness of God. Now, again, as God's people, there's gonna be times where you're mourning and we wanna mourn with you. But not mourn without hope. We wanna mourn with a hope, a steadfast anchor for our souls. But church is meant to be a place of celebration, not lamentation. And as God's people, there's something beautiful that takes place as we commit ourselves to doing life to breaking bread together, to sharing and partaking together in life and celebrating victories and walking along one another when there's hardships. See, there's something that, that amazing happens when we will open up ourselves and avail our calendars to God's functioning. See, there's a rhythm of life that, that God says, I want you to, to find that will be life-giving. Because there's so many things in this life that are life-sucking that are life draining, that are life depleting. And there's something of importance to creating space for God appointments. And I'll just tell you, I wanna challenge you and encourage you that as we see the lives of these early believers and how they, it seems like they had unlimited amounts of time. I don't think it was by accident that they spent time with one another, that they spent time seeking God, that they spent time doing those things because Life has a way, if we're not careful, of getting past us, of a year going by, two years going by, a decade going by, some of us longer. It feels like, what happened? And so there's something important about being intentional and creating space for God to do what he wants to do in our lives and through our lives. And if we will do that, I, I just encourage you, God will meet us there. He'll bless that path. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes as we respond to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you that you have given us time, the gift of time. And Lord, we believe that the time that you've given us is your gift to us, and what we do with that time is our gift to you. So Lord, we pray that you'd help us to be good stewards of the time you've given to us. This morning, I believe, Lord, you're calling some of us outside of our comfort zones to stretch ourselves. We believe that you have a plan for our lives. 
a plan that's bigger, that's greater than our own plans, a purpose that's greater than our own. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd use our lives to make a difference in our city, to make a difference in our families and in our neighborhoods and in our job places and all the places that you positioned us. God, you're calling us to be a people more concerned with eternity than with our temporal time. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. I wonder this morning, do you need to make more space for God in your life? Maybe you've had a very little space for him, and today is a day you say, God, I want to make more space for you. God, would you give us wisdom on what that looks like? Would you give us wisdom to know how to make more space for you in our lives? Perhaps God is calling you to do life as a family with others from the family of God, to break bread with one another, to make time to find your place of belonging, to find where you fit in the body of Christ in God's family. Whatever that looks like, Lord, we pray for wisdom in that. As we learn about how the church was just like that, they were breaking bread together and doing life together. Help us to do that. Or perhaps this morning God's calling you to a deeper place of devotion to learning about Him. Lord, we know that when you call us to the deep places, you meet us there. So Lord, as we trust you and we take a step of faith, Lord, we invite you to meet us there, to equip us with everything we need. In your name we pray. And finally, with every head still bowed and eyes still closed, perhaps you're here within the sound of my voice and you've never responded to the free love of Jesus Christ. You've never never been adopted into the family of God by faith in him. In a moment, I want to give you an opportunity to receive and say yes to Jesus Christ, to receive the gift of eternal life. If that's you and you've never made that decision with every head bowed and eye closed, in a moment, I'm going to have you raise your hand. I want to just agree with you in prayer. I won't call you down front or do anything like that. But if that's you with every head bowed and eye closed, would you lift up your hand? I see your hand. God bless you. Anyone else today? You say, that's me, Lord. I want to say yes to Jesus Christ. I want to receive his free gift of grace. Yes, I see your hand. God bless you. Anyone else today would say, that's my decision. Church, can we repeat this prayer with those who may be praying it for the first time? Repeat after me and say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for coming and living a sinless life and dying on the cross in my place for my sins. I ask you to forgive my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. In your name I pray, amen, amen. Can we celebrate this morning? I think we're gonna go out of this place singing, so would you stand to your feet this morning and we're gonna sing to the Lord, respond to heaven.
our hearts are open nothing here is hidden you are our one desire you alone are holy only you are worthy god let your fire fall down let our shout be your anthem you renown fill the sky we are here for you we are here for you let your word move in power let what dead come to life we are here for you yes lord we are here for you to you our hearts are 